Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mama Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Olivia, and I am here with my friend, Sarah, and today we are continuing my series where I am just interviewing local libertarians here in the state of Kansas. Um, So, Sarah, why don't you um, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Thanks so much for having me, Olivia. Um, I'm Sarah Eisenhower. I'm a homeschool mom in Kansas. Um, I have been homeschooling since 2015. I'm also the Chief Operating Officer of a group benefits agency. Um, I love dogs, particularly my Huskies. I also love reading and yoga. Oh my gosh. Love it. Okay, very cool. Um, Okay, so we're going to kind of um, dive into kind of like your freedom journey and questions that I always ask people is like, what brought you to LP? What brought you to LPKS? All these things. But First, I don't think, I think you're the first person that, as we were planning this, actually mentioned like big L, little L. And I think in libertarian circles, most of us know what that means, but I don't know that my like larger listening audience knows what that means. So before we dive in, um, tell us just the difference between little L and big L. Great question. Um, so I would say that little L libertarians are synonymous with more of like an agorist lifestyle, just the desire understanding and having an understanding of libertarianism but having a strong desire to separate yourself um, at every opportunity from the system the man the structure of government and all of it entails so um, just being as self-sufficient as one can would fall under little L libertarianism I think probably the biggest differentiator between the big L's and the little L's is um, seeing the political process as a valuable tool to achieve goals um, and furthermore being willing to take human action to join the party and participate in the efforts. Okay, yeah, that makes total sense to me. I was thinking um, very in line with you that like one is kind of like in theory, whereas the other is like a political party. Right. You know, and I think Oh my gosh, I think I run into that sometimes with libertarians that I meet where they're just so apathetic. Yes. And just like they know the system is broken, but also they want to be left alone. And I think especially here in like rural parts of Kansas, I think we deal with that a lot. I think that's a struggle that we have activating people is because they're libertarian because they don't want to make waves. They don't want to, they, they want to be... They want the freedom to live their lives and be left alone, (laughs) but at the same time, like, oh my gosh, we can use every single person. So it's kind of like a, uh, it explains the, one of the main frustrations I think we face as organizers, um, because not everybody, some people believe in it so much that they're living their lives that way, and then other people live in it so much that they just, they want to fight, and not everyone has that fight. So, um, so yeah, but I like what you said about, like, seeing the political tool as a worthwhile cause because yeah. not everybody um, believes in that. For so. sure, yeah. You can become so black pilled that you just don't think that there's a, pr- a purpose or, or that you'll be effective um, at making change. And, you know, I have some friends who are up in Maryland, for instance, and they have a really, like, hearty, active party, and they're getting yeah. together all the time, and they have all these <laughs> events, and they're great, and they get good turnout. And I've kind of pondered this. I'm like, how is it that, you know, in Kansas, it's hard for us to turn people out? It just is. A, we have a bigger state. There's right. Geographically, it's larger. But also, I think that there's something to be said for the fact that, like, in the rural areas of Kansas, you can live that mm-hmm. agorist lifestyle and sort of check out yep. from the system and build that sort of a cocoon around yourself mm-hmm. where you're protecting yourself and you don't have to deal with the day-to-day yeah. um, versus somewhere in Maryland where it's like constant barrage yeah. of like state intervention. And yeah. that 
can become aggressive to the point where you're like, no, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to fight back. So yeah. I think there's, you know, uh, it's a double-edged sword and yeah. there's like a beauty to it. We have more freedom here in Kansas than some other states, but also that can hinder us in our efforts to organize people and yes. get them moving. So. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's definitely, it's definitely a struggle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I like to call it the opt-out lifestyle. Yeah. Like, like there's like for us kind of the thread was like well we're opting out of public school we're opting out of like grocery store food you know like we opted out of all these things so that's kind of like that cocoon life you're talking about like let's live that off-grid opt-out type of life absolutely Um, okay so tell me what light bulb moment first brought you to first little l libertarianism so growing up I um, come from a conservative family so naturally when I went to public school I became a raging liberal and um, I uh, swing that pendulum the other way yeah, yeah well and my parents never really gave me any good reasons why I should be a conservative in any way so it was just like I was sort of floundering and I didn't want to be what they were um, and um, so I also just always loved to debate and around I think it was 2011 um, my older brother had sent me this YouTube video of Ayn Rand um, on the Mike Wallace program and this thing's so old that they're both sitting there smoking cigarettes during the program it was awesome and and it's like a 30 minute video and she's uh, talking about um, her her philosophy which is objectivism and I am sitting there watching this like furiously scribbling notes like this is crazy I can't believe this and I can't wait to get on the phone with my brother to tell him all the reasons why he's wrong and then we have that conversation and it literally like rocked my worldview um I don't know that a lot of my actual perspectives have changed maybe maybe perspective is not the right word a lot of the reasons why I found myself being a liberal was like anti-war uh anti-aggression I cared about humans I wanted what was best for them I think the difference um kind of came when I understood um how money works I think that would be probably the biggest shift for me um as far as what changed me from a liberal to a small a libertarian um see at that point I kind of just like jumped into learning I mm-hmm. love reading um, and so I just I started with this book um, by Judge Napolitano and it's lies your government told you mm-hmm. yes it's an epic book and then I just dove down the rabbit hole yeah. um, I read everything from you know, Ron Paul Tom Woods um, Mises Rothbard um, Ayn Rand who I love and uh, so it was just it was spent a lot of time in that sort of theoretical world when I yeah. was living um, as a little a libertarian. Yeah. So. It really is. I think for me too, um, I was already in the LP, but when I, when you really started to understand economics mm-hmm. and when you, when you started to realize that there were men and women along the way 50 years ago that said, we're going to be in a crap spot if you do these things, mm-hmm. they were plain as day telling them not to and Washington still did it. Yeah. And it's like, when you see that, you just kind of are like, I don't know if you're not frustrated enough at that point to be yeah. like, I'm so out yeah. then I don't know. But yeah, for me, I was just telling someone last night, like, I wish I would have studied, like I studied marketing in college. I wish I would have taken like an economics course, a political science course, like something. Cause that's what I'm into now. Yeah. But college me like wasn't into that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, I know a lot of people that are that way when they really start to understand how economics works and they're like, wait, what'd you guys do? <laughs> and right. you were told it was going to happen this way and you still, like, didn't listen? Like, yeah, that is a, a head-scratcher for sure. Um, okay, so what made you, obviously, you're a big L libertarian at this point. You're active in the state and everything. What made you go from little L to big L? 
So I had sort of just been functioning in the little L world where, you know, there was my podcast that I loved and um, all my books and, and, you know, news sites and all that. And I stayed up with it. So I had heard about the Mises Caucus for some time. Um, the only thing I knew about the party at that point were um, not positive things, like more national. I didn't know that there was an LPKS. Mm, right. Like, I had no idea. Yeah. Um, but what I heard about national was that, you know, at conventions there's guys that, you know, flash the crowd and run around naked, and, and I was just like, that doesn't sound like me. Political party. Yeah. <laughs> or anything I want to be a part of, necessarily. So, um, so in, I would say that the shift came um, a couple of things. So I'd heard Mike Heiss, who is the chair of the Mises Caucus, on Tom Woods kind of talking about uh, what his ideas were, and I thought, man, that's a cool idea. Um, still didn't get involved, wasn't ready to do anything there. Um, then there was this debate between the former chair of the Libertarian Party and another podcaster I listened to, Dave Smith. And the chair said something that that really stuck with me, and that was the people is made up of, I'm sorry, the party is made up of the people that show up. And I thought, you know what, that's right. If mm-hmm. I'm upset about the messaging and the direction and the ideas as far as what's going to get us where we're trying to go, then it's incumbent on me to, to take human action and to get involved. And so yeah. um, that was a huge part of it for me. Um, I 2020 was sort of a pivotal year. Um, there was sort of like obviously COVID and the, mm-hmm. and the you know riots and the George Floyd situation. Yeah. And in... June of 2020, uh, Joe Jorgensen had put out a tweet that was just infuriating given the situation that we were in and the fact that she was able to run as a libertarian candidate. And it mm-hmm. was, um, it's not enough to be, to not be racist. We must be anti-racist. And mm-hmm. this is, I agree. I, I think, oh, that's fine. I'm not a racist and I, <laughs> I can get on that train. Um, it's that you are the presidential candidate for the beautiful philosophy that I follow. Mm-hmm. And you are not using this time to rail against the government, yeah. which is locking people in their homes. Yeah. Um, well, and had a hand in creating those riots, those situations. Oh, those, oh it's I mean, the state. Them. Yeah, yes, I mean, it's not exactly. like. And then standing aside while people's businesses burned. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're talking about this sort of nebulous concept that, again, I don't think anybody's, I, I've never met a person who's like, I'm for racism, yeah. you know, like never, it's never been a thing that I've known. So yeah. um, I, I just feel like, okay, well, and so, so that, there may be, and that's all fine. I just thought that there has to be, um, people have to understand uh, priority and the moment that we're in, this is a moment where people are searching, like the Democrats weren't doing anything, right. the Republicans weren't doing anything, That yeah. those are the moments where it's this like amazing opportunity for us as libertarians to yeah. insert ourselves and be like, hey, uh, by the way, yeah. we believe <laughs> this in- is crazy and here's yeah. why, you know, I don't know. So I think it was just like that huge pivotal um, miss um, and then there was like, it took was like six months to get like even an ad out about COVID and why that was bad and it was like it cost the party $30,000 to make and it was like yeah it was just such a mismanagement of the scenario of the perfect opportunity that COVID was um and then above all else um I have always since I became a mom and even before that Mm. um I felt it's my job to leave something better for my son than what I inherited and I just started realizing that, like, sure, I can create the best home life for him, yeah. and I can do better than my parents did in that case. 
um, but it's much more important that he be able to go out and have a life after he grows up. And so that's that was a, probably yeah. the prime motivator for me. I get that question a lot, um, especially um, when I'm really busy or when I seem really stressed or even like last presidential cycle where people are like, well, you know like a libertarian's not going to win, this, that, and the other. And they're like, why waste your vote? Like, you know, all this stuff. Why do you work for a party that's not going to be legitimized? And I just tell people straight up, like, no, you are 100% right. I'm probably not going to see a libertarian president in my lifetime. Sure. That is not the point. Yeah. The point is that so my kids don't live in a two-party system. Yeah. The, the point is that I'm laying seeds for a long-term goal, like Joseph up in here in the Bible. Like, I'm not going to see the fruits of this labor. But that's why it's even more important. Because yeah. if I just, to your point, if we just, I'm always also telling people kind of what you said about like, oh, I can actually have a say in the direction of this party. I tell people that yeah. like, you can get involved with your local or, you know, Republican, Democrat, maybe they might listen to you. But for the most part, they have their marching orders from Washington already. Yeah. We're not really set up like that. No. And I, I tell people like the exciting part about being involved in a third party, a small party, a new party yeah. is that you actually can drive it. Like look, look what Heist did in like a yes. few years. Like yes. if you want to make change, like you can do it here. You can like your, your voice matters, your vote matters. Um, more so with us than I would dare to say with some of those more established parties. Like, yeah. we don't know what we're going to look like in 30, 40, 50 years. Like, it, it's, it's going to be different. Um, yeah. And it's like you said, it's going to be dependent on who, who showed up. Um, yeah. But I agree with you on, um, I think Joe's tweet by itself, I like you, I agree with. Yeah. But yeah, in the context of what was going on, like, there wasn't a whole lot that... I get what she was trying to say. She was kind of trying to say, just like you were saying before... Like, it's not enough just to be passive. We actually have to take action to make things better. That's, sure. I think, the messaging she was trying to get across. But if we're talking, like, post-George Floyd, there wasn't a lot that we could have done. There yeah. wasn't a lot that one person could have done. It should have been a unifying message, like, find your local LP and we will help make you safe. We will help you against the cops. Like, it, like I, I totally there get it. There could have been more. There was a moment there. Yeah. It was, hey, you, yeah. know, you know who's actually for criminal justice reform? Yeah. You know who the party that's been fighting for, um, you know, people who are marginalized by the police for 50 years now? That's yeah. us, by the way. You yeah. Know? And it's like and it, that, it, the message could have been yeah. targeted and at it, that point. It hurts me a lot because I deal with a lot of minorities that, that don't see the LP as a place for them. And I'm like, I don't know why you feel that way because, like, I, I think that it is. I think that it can be. And I think that, like, whatever... Maybe I'm just too far in it and I'm not seeing what they're seeing on the outside. Um, but, you know, like my family's from Mexico and like you want to know who understands what happens when a government is able to run corrupt and then abandon you after it runs your country into the ground? Tell me, like Mexicans know what, what it's about. Like that's yeah. why I do what I do is because I'm not trying to Mexico the States. <laughs> like I'm not right. trying to live through that again. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. I do agree there could have been a, a – there's a little bit of a missed opportunity um, with – with just really hitting it on the nose, and that might have just been what we needed back then. Um, yeah. But yeah, and um, I mean, even furthermore, like one of my um, sort of like initial like cracking of my liberal egg was I used. To, I mean, I, I've always loved politics, and um, so in 2012, I was watching a Republican primary, just as like doing reconnaissance on my, yeah. you know, so I have points <laughs> to run on, and, and I was watching this thing, and. Um, this guy that I would later just absolutely fall in love with, Dr. Ron Paul, yeah. was up there, and they asked him, if you were to become president, what would be the three departments that you would get rid of on day one? And he said the EPA, the 
Department of Education. Yes. And and I forget what the third one was because I lost my mind when yeah. he said Department <laughs> of Education. I'm thinking, yeah. how will the children learn? And I like in my head, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. But it stuck with me yeah. and it percolated. And yeah. that's the value of having someone who is radical yeah. running on that presidential ticket is that they'll plant seeds. And it didn't happen for me right then. I didn't yeah. just like wake up the next day and be like, oh, I'm going to homeschool my kid. I was yeah. like, you know, that ticked me off for a long time. But then later once I got it, it was like, oh, yeah. I know a lot of current and former educators that I've had this talk with before where they're like, oh, well, you're, you being homeschool and LP, like, you just don't want me to have a job then, right? And I'm like, whoa, no, like, I want the federal department of ed to go away, but, yes. like, cities and counties and states can decide what they want to do, but, like, way out in rural Kansas doesn't necessarily have the same teaching needs that someone in, like, KC has like there there are different students there are different economic things that you're dealing with in their homes and not all of that is the teacher's you know job but it it's a factor and so then they're like oh I'm like yes well the Department of Education was only created in 1972 how did children learn before that oh yeah it's because their teachers were allowed to make curriculum it's because they homeschooled oh yeah public school was the experiment we were always homeschooling and apprenticing our children. That's yes. why we've seen family businesses, family farms, family trades. That's why we've seen them go away because we've outsourced That's right. that. Like public school was the experiment. Homeschool was always the norm. Yes. Uh, okay. Totally. Anyways, <laughs> we went off there. Two homeschool moms. You got us on it. Um, okay. So you are the um, Libertarian Party Mises Caucus Kansas organizer. Yes. So um, that means you obviously you organize a lot. You um, are good at like activating and kind of have a little bit more insight to the MC than the rest of us do. Um, so first, I just want to talk to you as a leader. Um, so I think you might be one of. I don't think I've had any current XCOM. I know I've had operations team members but as far as like leaders in the party go I think you might be one of my first like official like titled leaders so um this was a question that I got from um Faith and she was wondering just in general what kind of leader would you consider yourself performance-based process-based or people-oriented and I know I even though the question was for you I was like oh my gosh I want to know the question what am I yeah and what is everybody around me and this is such a good question so what would you consider yourself so I would consider myself more of a process person. Um, I am, in general, a facilitator. Uh, I'm typically not the ideas guy, although I'm trying to change my <laughs> self-talk so that I, you know, I think part of that's self-inflicted. But I do think that um, I, I am good at, if you tell me what you're working on and where you're trying to go, I'm good at helping you get there. So yeah. I think process would be maybe the one that fits me the most. Yeah, okay, I can totally see that. Um, I think I would definitely be more like people. Like, I just like to kind of build... I don't know. I like to build individual, like, kind of friendships and relationships, and then it's easier for me when it's time to, like, have a plan, be like, well, this is where I think people would fit, like, potentially, you know? So, but yeah, I think ultimately what's cool about that question is we kind of need everybody. Like, we need people that are tracking our performance. We need people that are understanding the heart of people and what motivates them, and then we need... Like, I think we're missing a little bit of this in LPKS right now. Like, we need kind of, like, high-level somebody looking at the process and, like making things churn in a productive way. So, okay, so process. I can totally, I can totally see that. Um, Okay, so we both agree at this point, and even I have had the wrong impression of MC for a long time, and it's taken getting to know you, and also just kind of 
getting the emotion out of it and looking at like the actual like facts of things to kind of like come around but I know that there are people there are people that are way more pro Mises than me and there are people behind me that are way more anti than me so the whole idea behind this is just for kind of us to share like the truth of the situation um, because I think a lot of it is just like online chatter and online opinions and it's become it's just become this like polarizing issue but I'm not sure it ever kind of like with us like we were it was put on us that we were polarized at some point and it like yeah. really wasn't real like it was like everybody else's opinions and emotions and so that's kind of how I am with the MC and so I would love for I've gathered a few questions of like the most common like misperceptions and maybe they're right maybe they're wrong but I would love for you to kind of like myth bust these sure. for us um okay so um just kind of first first couple questions just kind of in general because some people literally don't know the history like they think that like Reno happened and MC was just there like they don't actually know that like sure. there was thought and process and history before we got to that point so yeah. why was the Mises caucus started Okay, so I'll try to keep this as brief as possible. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> High level. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's do the 30,000 foot. Okay. So um, I would say that uh, it was a series of events that, um, and I kind of alluded a little bit before yeah. in regards to the way that the liberty movement at large sort of viewed the party itself um, through that lens of like... Um, sort of an unserious vehicle, mm. at least previously. And that's more at the national level, certainly nothing related right. to Kansas at all. Um, and so it was that, it was, um, I would say the straw that broke the camel's back would be a person named Bill Weld. Okay. Who was a... Um, I'm familiar with the name and a little bit of okay. the context, but okay. you can you can definitely educate me. Perfect. So Bill Weld is was our uh, vice presidential candidate, uh, ran with Gary Johnson, mm -hmm. or was elected to run with Gary mm -hmm. Johnson in the 2016 election. And Bill Weld, in his previous work life, was a lobbyist for Raytheon. Oh, that doesn't sound very... That is a bridge too far. You are not allowed to, at any point, have worked in any way with Raytheon, and they come represent me as a libertarian. So that's uh, that was a huge one, um, and also sort of around that time frame, there was um, a movement in the national leadership to um, sort of join this, um, and maybe we can get into a little bit later. But it's like the and I'm using air quotes, and I know that everybody defines this word differently. So in a non-aggressive way, mm. the woke. Um, oh yeah, uh, we definitely have that question. Journey, um, yeah. and that's it. Seemed like that was the direction that the party was being um, moved in from mm. the um, director at that time, or I guess the um, chair at the time. Mm. And so at that time, Nick Sarwak had um, sent out this pledge, mm. anti-racism pledge, and he said that if you don't sign this pledge, therefore you must be a racist. This oh pledge gosh. says, "I am not racist." I I swear up and down that I am not a racist human and oh da, da 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 I definitely did not get and that email. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so he had sent that out to um, one of the podcasters and authors that I've read a lot, Tom Woods. And Tom Woods was like, I don't need to validate to you that right. I'm not a racist. I have hundreds of hours of, yeah. of podcasts that are free online. I have eight books. Mm. If anybody wants to know about whether or not I'm a racist, they're welcome to go check out any of that. Right. I, I invite you to, you know, do as deep yeah. of a dive on me as you want. You'll yeah. not find racism, but right. I don't need to sign this to prove to anyone. Mm. So nor, that was, nor, nor does anyone need to, like, that's not, we don't have, like, cross the, like, we don't, 
we don't have stipulations on membership. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. maybe we should. I don't, I mean, I don't think so. But that's right. like, that seems like a strange, I get, from a marketing perspective, I get where they're trying to go. You know, it's yeah. like the Facebook profile, like, you know, it's a signal. It's a yes, signal. Yes, the virtue signal. But, Correct. but so, so many of those fall flat. So many of those, like, okay, I'm not magically, let's say I really am, like, someone in my life that I actually know that is literally, like, racist like that's not going to magically make their racism go away and also you could sign it and still be a racist that's what I'm saying like it's it's... not gonna really like if you want to solve this problem we can give you ideas of how to solve this problem but I'm not sure that's the way to do it why don't we have ideas from national about how what ways we could address the racism where it stems from systematically yes let's look at policies that are racist there's a million ways we could take individuals who were trying to like it kind of sounds like the way he worded it or the way that you have said he worded it is like he was trying to call out whoever didn't sign it. Like, it was a little bit like a bully move. Like, if you don't sign this, then that, like, I don't know that I love. And I can't imagine the libertarians that I know liking that verbiage. Right. (laughs) If you don't, then you are this. Yes, so then then Sarwark and his, uh, a couple of people associated with him started going around bad-mouthing Tom Woods as a libertarian. Mm -hmm. And um, Tom Woods had fairly, uh, thoroughly stayed out of the party apparatus, Mm -hmm. but but touted libertarianism right. and spread the message of liberty yeah. very, very well to hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. Um, so it felt um, aggressive mm-hmm. to have someone coming out and attacking him just because he didn't meet Nick Sarwark's criteria right. of what libertarianism is. And As a leader, I would be asking myself, okay, here's like an L celebrity saying this. I would be more concerned with like my membership. Are there other people that feel this way? And what should I be doing about like how can I either explain myself or back off if it's gotten to the point where someone is publicly willing to say that then as a leader I would think you'd check yourself and be like maybe I need to check with membership but you know what I mean like maybe that's just me but I would be like oh like maybe maybe something went wrong here for this person to be publicly calling me out on a platform and for it to be someone that so many people I don't know yeah Yeah. (laughs) agreed I totally agree um and so it was that um Let's see, what were some of the other things that were, I guess it was also just, uh, we felt like a lot of people, I wasn't a part of the caucus at the time, but a lot of few people felt um, that in general, um, Gary Johnson and the national message during, you know, yes, the 2020 election was a great opportunity because of, you know, COVID and um, Trump and Biden being such terrible candidates, but likewise, so was 16. Mm-hmm. Nobody liked Hillary Clinton and nobody liked Donald Trump. Yeah. So if there's a time where we could just be super effective and be, it would, again, just felt like missed opportunities during these like pivotal moments, which we yeah. will not get repeats of all the time. Yeah. Well, we might um, this year, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, it exactly. won't be our fault that we have crap candidates from the R's and D's, but we might literally have a repeat. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, I see yeah. what you're saying. And you have such a good point because I've heard, I've heard the complaints about the 2020 election and the messaging around that. And I did. I I liked Joe. Um, I just thought she was intelligent, and I thought that anybody took the chance to listen to the three of them would yep. obviously see that she's like qualified to do this job. But that didn't work for everybody, and I understand that. But you're so right that, like, because the Hillary Trump year was the year that I was like, I need a vote that I can sleep with at night. I don't mean that yeah. the way it sounds. Like a vote that I can like. Whoa, <laughs> I got you. whoa. You know what I meant? Like I, I need do. a vote that yeah. I can. Like, have... You can look at yourself in the mirror after And when my kids ask me, like, I needed... Like, I had way too many people that were military. I was not going to vote for Hillary. And just... Yeah, I don't need to go. I don't think I need to list reasons why I wouldn't vote for Trump. But it's just kind of like... That was the year that brought me in. That was the year that I was like, 
I read Hillary was like, these are how you should be. And Trump was like, this is how you should be. And Johnson was like, be however you want, but the government doesn't tell you what to do. And I was like, yeah. that's the thing right there. That's yeah. the vibe. And so, yeah, you're right. Like, um, like we could have... I think Johnson wasn't necessarily bad. I and I my my biggest bone to pick with him was simply more that he was just like kind of milk toast. He's like, well, we're we're socially liberal and yeah. we're fiscally conservative, and I just think that that's such a bland way of giving our message. We are like, and 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 Dave Smith has said this before, but we're like we are the inheritors of like this absolutely beautiful philosophy, yeah. and it is not leftovers from the Republicans yeah. and the Democrats. We are the ones who are yeah. consistent. They're the ones who aren't, and yeah. we need to be running boldly on that. I'm not asking your permission. I'm letting you know where you failed. You know, like I just think well, that there was just like a matter of, and Gary Johnson's a great guy, and I I mean I saw so many Johnson signs all around Johnson. Johnson County yeah um, but, but um, so I, I know that there was like a spark there or at least that people were willing to take a look at the third party so I mean yeah. that was a, cute, a great sign and it was just like then you gave us Bill Weld and I'm yeah yeah can't yeah can't do yeah. that so um, well this is just that's uh, more to the point of more of a more of a reason for like you need we need to get active because like mm -hmm. we have a say in this like yes. I've been telling everyone I know like whether you're a delegate or not like plan to be at national plan to be at state conventions yeah. whether you hate bylaws or not like plan to be there because like you don't have to be stuck with a candidate you don't like like come and have your voice heard come and have a vote heard know who's voting for who like yes. be in the room like you can you can have a say um but yeah I get I get um like I said, I get the criticism of, like, well, maybe in 2020, like, we weren't as... We needed to have adapted to the situation, and what, what worked for Johnson era yeah. probably wasn't exactly what was supposed to work during 2020, because it was a whole different playing field it was. with COVID and everything. Um, but, yeah, okay, and I knew that... Okay, so and I knew that that it was something to do with candidates that kind of led... Candidates and messaging, would you yeah. say, were the biggest reasons yes. that Mises were like, okay, we need to, like, organize yeah. and see if we can make a difference. Yeah, so there was a lot of people that came out of the Ron, the two Ron Paul cam campaigns, uh, the 08 and 12, um, which were respectively in the Republican Party, but there were a lot of people who were not Republicans who were moved by that, um, that just kind of stayed the quote-unquote liberty movement, um, and we felt very underrepresented uh, by mm -hmm. the the name of the party that we can bear. Um, and that was something that was like, okay, you know what, Sarawak is right. Um, the people who show up get to decide how yeah. how it goes. And so if if we want that, then that's how what we have to do. Yeah. And so yeah. that's And that goes yeah. that goes for everybody, regardless of whether you agree with this these specific issues or not. Like that's one of the most one of the things I like apart about the party so much is like really National's never going to be able to represent all of us sure. because we're a big tent. Yes. We have room for everybody. Mm -hmm. Our very existence depends on like coexisting and yes. understanding and grace for each other because we're the party. I always tell people, we're not the party that wants you to think exactly like us. Right. We are the party, and it's tough. It's tough to organize. It's tough to all come together in a room and not fight. But like we're up to that challenge because we just believe that at its core, you should all – like the the individual is the most powerful minority. Like, yes. we believe in everyone doing what they want. Yes. And, I mean, I think sometimes people forget about, like, that That means that there could be someone at the same convention as me that I don't have anything in common with except for the fact that I want to be left alone yeah. in my life. And so that can make it really hard. So, yeah, ideally, National is not ever going to be able to represent everybody. But there should be a majority <laughs> that, like, I think there's enough. There should be um, a majority of the people that show up, to your point, that should be able to feel represented. Yeah. Um, so, okay, now the MC is here. They're doing their thing. They're... 
they're active in some states more than others, but they're active. They're obviously not active on the national stage. We have a lot of leadership in the national party that are part of um, Mises. So what are their long-term goals? What are, not necessarily for, um, well, I guess, no, yeah, the question is, what are the Mises Caucus's long-term goals for the LP? So we have, um, our mission moving forward is called Project Decentralized Revolution. And okay. so that is uh, encompassed by our three-pronged approach. Um, the first prong, and this is um, a committee that I am a part of proudly, um, is runaslibertarian.com. That is our training program for candidates, um, most importantly, but equally as important, this training is for campaign managers mm -hmm. and it's for campaign treasurers and really anybody who wants to even just volunteer to yeah. help a campaign. It is a group effort and candidates are very important. We need those like brave folks who are willing to stand up and do this work. It is not easy at all. Um, but we need people who are there to back them up yeah. and know the right way to back them up. Not just that I'm showing up on this day to you know pass out whatever, yeah. cards or whatever. Yeah. Um, it has to be targeted and we can be effective. There have been people who have been successful before. Why not learn from them? Yeah. So um, runaslibertarian.com is that training we do. Um, we have former candidates, uh, currently elected libertarian officials. Cool. We have the Leadership Institute. We have YAL, Young uh, Americans for Liberty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we have all these different groups um, and people coming together to do their own like um, modules. We have bi-weekly uh, bi trainings, sorry, bi-monthly trainings. Mm. And um, those are uh, through Zoom. Those are open to anyone and everyone. Okay. Um, there is no restriction on who can participate on those. Um, we also have access to um, one of the things that we're really proud of is we help uh, candidates and campaigns do graphic design so that we can present a professionalized mm -hmm. um face to our campaigns. We have um, one of our Meacocks in, um, I believe he's in Pennsylvania. He's just started, he bought like um, a sign printer. Mm. So we're able to do reduced cost sign printing for people yeah. and kick those out. Um, we have access to, um, we also have as a caucus, we raise money uh, to give to candidates and um, we have funds that uh, the caucus is willing to donate to campaigns that are um, local. Mm. So if you're running um, city council, um, city clerk, school board, DA, county, county yeah. officials, so the commission, the clerk, um, sheriff, mm. if you're running for any if of those If you're lucky positions. enough to be in a county that gets to elect a sheriff. Yeah. <laughs> Versus well, yeah. one where the state just decides to appoint it for you. That is crazy. <laughs> yes. It should be addressed yeah. <laughs> um, But yeah, so if you're running for one of those positions and you agree with the Mises Caucus platform, there is, um, I think, in the previous two um, election cycles, we gave away $50,000 to candidates. Um, that's something that's super duper important to us. Um, and so that's something I'm super proud of. That's one of the prongs of our approach moving forward. Um, the second thing... Uh, that we are working on is issue coalitions. So we really believe, like you were saying earlier, yep. which is that we have to be big tent because there's just not enough of us to actually affect change without reaching out to like-minded individuals. And that doesn't always mean libertarians. That sometimes means people that are, uh, disagree with us on 99% of the things, mm -hmm. but they agree with us on that one thing. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so for instance, um, the LP National recently coalitioned with the People's Party uh, on the Rage Against the War Machine rally, mm. which I had the pleasure of being one of the main organizers for. That was an incredible learning experience. Yeah. <laughs> I got to work with real life communists. Yes, there are people yes, who just truly, like racists, they genuinely exist. believe that <laughs> communism is a viable option. Yes. Um, so that was wild, um, but they are staunchly anti-war. Mm -hmm. And they were willing to fight with us on, um, whereas there were groups of anti-war Democrats, um, like Code Pink, mm -hmm. who was supposed to be in our coalition with us, but yes. they said, oh, those dirty libertarians, yeah. we won't work with them, you know? Um, and there were plenty of groups that said that about us. And so, um, you know, we found groups who were willing to work with us on this message of being anti-war, um, and and we created something beautiful with them. Um, furthermore, uh, oh, go ahead, I'm oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, like, that's something that um, I think more libertarians need to actually see it in practice. Yes. Um, because I, last year I worked with um, a lot of Democrats on a big issue and took flack for it. This year I'm working with a lot of Rebel Republicans on an issue and I'm still going to take flack for it. And it's right. like, guess what? If we actually want to be elected and work in the state house, guess what we're going to have to do when we get there? Yeah work with Republicans and Democrats. So like enough is enough with like with yeah. like criticizing. There's a lot of, at least my opinion in Kansas, there's a lot of people not doing anything criticizing the people that are doing things. Yes. And it's like, yes. I'm sorry if you don't agree with the issue. I'm sorry if you don't agree with the groups that we worked with. Go and find your own issue in your own groups. Like right. you don't need permission. That's right. Go and start something. Um, I'm partnering with um, Americans for Prosperity a little bit, and it's like we, at our first several meetings, you know, it's like, okay, there are some things we definitely do not agree on, yeah. <laughs> but there are some things that we do. Right. So our goal, my goal with the like local organizer that I work with is let's make it to where all that's left is for us to fight. Yes. Let's work on accomplishing all the economic tax things that we can agree on first, and then the gloves can come off. That's right. Because like Kansas is too far behind on certain things to like be fighting. So yeah, I I agree. I think I think um, it's good good for people to have like examples of that and see that working. And um, because it's it's how we legitimize ourselves. Like it's hard. It's, and we received yeah. plenty of pushback on the rally. I mean, even prominent people in the LNC were like, "I won't work with communists. This is evil. These people want to put me up against the wall." And it's like. These people don't want to put you up against the wall. The people yeah. who are like, you know, Mao Zedong and yeah. Stalin want to put you up against the wall. Yeah. But these people want to end war. And, so and I've learned with libertarians, it is a little bit like, oh my gosh, what's a good, decent way to compare it? It's a little bit like with the newborn baby. You don't go straight to giving them steak, even though steak is better than baby food. Sure. They kind of like to be fed that, like, this event might be happening. We might be reaching out to other people. Not everyone might be who you like, but isn't this goal more important? And then there's the stake. Like, I've yes. unfortunately learned the hard way, which is ridiculous. <laughs> I know. But it, but it is true. Like, people yeah. like to, like, be spoon-fed a little bit until they, until they can really see the big picture. So, so yeah, if you don't like it, then you just go find another issue yeah. or caucus or event to work on. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. So, I get I it. Totally okay, so agree. candidates totally on board with that. Issue Coalition, which I think I think we do a pretty good job of that in Kansas. Yes. I would like to see more people totally. doing that and, like, knowing that it's possible. Like, whatever it looks like, like, where I live in Wichita District 4 is is different than some of the other districts. So I would love for people to, like, 
kind of see what that looks like in their area. It might not be R's and D's. It might be independents. It might be like League of Women Voters. It might be non nonpartisan groups. But there's still work that can be done there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I would love for like more people to kind of be Even trying like that. defend the guard though. We need to be reaching out to these legions yeah. and the VFWs and other veterans groups, Veterans for Peace, things like yeah. that. I mean, they're yeah. they're it. Anything that we do, we're gonna have to. Yeah, coalition because we just aren't big enough. So like, yeah. we, it's something we need to get more comfortable with for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the third approach, the third prong to our approach is that we feel we need to create a community of libertarians. We need that structure to be in place as our society continues to devolve, yeah. so that we're there and ready when it happens yeah. to catch all those disaffected people. Um, yeah. So that's a huge one for us. We did um, the Mises Caucus put on six events around the country earlier this year, um, which were just, you know, a couple libertarian speakers. One day, it was like over, each one was a weekend, um, a couple libertarian speakers, then some parties in the mm-hmm. evening, just to get people, it's about yeah. creating that community and that camaraderie with yeah. other people. Um, and then the next day we would do candidate training. But that's kind of where we're at is that we feel that the, like Ron Paul always made a big deal about this. It's like, you have to have comedy, you have to have music, Mm-hmm. And you have to have a community because it's yeah. not just if you're just all political all the time, you will burn out anybody who shows up well, so quick. And quite frankly, within our own party, as someone that tries to do a lot of stuff, I get appreciation and I get hate for it. And yeah. if it weren't for the friendships that I had, I would not have returned after convention this year. I was done. I was out. Same thing after Reno. I was done. I was out. But I had community yeah. and I had friends that were like, just calm down (laughs) and let's talk it out and let's find something to do that's effective because it doesn't have to be the end of the world. Like we, quite frankly, libertarians fight with each other. Libertarians are aggressive and maybe I've said this before, I know this is not totally fair, but like some people are so aggressive with the things that we work on, I think because they don't have enough outside of this to keep them fulfilled. And so they come at us for the things I don't know if that, if you kind of understand what I'm saying, yeah, but it, like, it's like we, we need to have, we, I agree that we need to have more of a community. There's been times where just the few friends that I have has kept me around. And if we could be more of a community, that's not going to cut each other's throats when we say one thing we don't like, or maybe we do one step that we don't fully agree on. Like, yeah, we're going to do things that we don't all agree on. That's For the sure. essence of libertarianism. Yeah. Like, but we need to be able to like treat each other as friends in the meantime. So yeah, I love that. So, um, candidates, coalitions, and community. I love an alliteration. So there you go. You can have that for free. I love that. Um, And I agree with all of those things. And I don't know anybody in Kansas that isn't like people that I know that are not Mises. I don't like y'all don't shouldn't have any reason to have an issue with those three things. Like if you have an issue with one of those three things. Yeah. If you have an issue with one of those three things, like you need to reach out to Sarah and I and talk about it because I don't see any issue with that. We could be a better, stronger community. Um, We could coalition way more even with each other um and i mean candidates is huge like we you know that's um so i'd love to know the information on um those zoom meetings um i'd love to be able to start sharing that with people because that's something we have some training and i know like our campaign structure does some but like really it not not ever it it's just good to get all it all out there. As yeah, an it's option. a resource and it's, let people know. And if a candidate wants to avail themselves of it, yeah. great, it's there for them. And yeah, that's all yeah. I really want. And I remember National when I first started. National did have a page on their website that was like media, mm-hmm. where you could download like a generic palm card or generic flyer and stuff. So, but it's good to have like the next level of yes. that, you know. Okay. Um, and I feel like we do pretty good in Kansas with resources for campaigns, but it's only 
it's a small team. And so if there's one other option for people to get training that yeah. works with their schedule, I feel like they should totally have it. So, um, okay. I love those. Um, I love those goals. Um, so let's get into some of the, like, in my opinion, less fun questions, but yeah. questions that people ask. So we'll do our best to answer these for everybody and don't shoot the messengers. We're just here answering the questions you guys gave us. So, okay. This question is, um, how does the Mises caucus define in quotes, wokeism and why is it a Liberty issue? Okay, so good question. Um, hard question, though, just because um, there's been a lot of movement of terminology. So, and I think this it's almost word, like time to retire that word because yeah. it's it's gone around the pike with what it means, and it's been championed by so many different groups at this point that it's almost like it almost has no meaning exactly. at this point. Like it almost so I, so yeah. That, that's why it is a good question. Like, how is it that you guys define it? Because so many people define it so many different ways. Sure, sure. So um, I would say that um, how to define wokeism? Um, uh, <laughs> I take a breath. It's, it's a hard one. <laughs> yeah, I think that um, it comes from at its source. It comes from a desire to um, identify people who have been marginalized and work to help them come out of that. And mm -hmm. I, I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I think injustice is wrong everywhere. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, you know, if we're going with that definition, I think I, most people that I know, um, at least in the party, uh, would be considered woke, but I, I don't think that's what it means anymore, at mm -hmm. least not in the circles that I travel in. Um, I would say that it is, um, it's a collectivist movement that seeks to categorize people based on immutable characteristics rather than um, merit, experience, um, actual... I, I would say that it's... It's almost like... It's almost like a requirement. Like it goes yes. from, in its essence, it's a matter of just. I've had this conversation with a lot of people um, that don't agree that that think it's something different, and I'm like, in its essence, it is literally just an acknowledgement. That's all it is. It doesn't yeah. have to be anything more or less, unless you feel called to do something more or less than that. Sure. Other than that, it is simply just acknowledging, like you said, marginalized groups. But it has become like that email you mentioned, that pledge. It has become like a requirement. It has become, it, it has become more than it needed to be. It's like because a cudgel it's a, it's to beat a, people over the head with if they don't personal, agree with you. Yeah, it's a personal decision how much you decide, whether you're a minority or not. It's a personal decision how much you decide to lead with that. Mm -hmm. If you're not, it's a personal decision how, how comfortable you are helping with that. Not everyone is comfortable doing that. Some people have really bad experience where it's like, yeah, I agree with this, but I'm not the one to help you. But that doesn't mean that I'm your enemy right? because I'm not speaking out again. So like, yeah, I feel like it's turned, it's turned into a requirement. It's turned yes. into a virtue signal. And in yes. its essence, like what we first described, that's totally a liberty issue. Like yeah. we are here for the marginalized groups. 100%. Our party exists for marginalized groups, but there's, there is such a thing as taking it so far. It's, it's no different than like, like we were talking about, the, like the virtue signaling, like it falls flat at a certain point. When yeah. you are required to say this because you yes. want that endorsement, because you want that job, because you whatever, it loses all. Well, and all we're libertarians. Structure. We're focused on the minority of the individual, not the minority of entire groups of people. I'm not going to condemn or condone an entire group of people because right. I there's going to be people in that group that I am not okay with, and there's going to yeah. be people that I'm like. 
all on board with. Yeah. I, I just, it, you know, at its heart, liberty and libertarianism is anti-collectivist. We don't want to, um, and especially with identity politics and mm -hmm. intersectionality, is it's kind of scary because it's like, well, we want... Um, I just think that categorizing people and, and sort of having oppression Olympics mm -hmm. is a negative way. We could turn these injustices into positives and, yeah. and reasons for people to fight and reasons to get people out of their house and out of bed and, and in the movement. Yeah. Um, but if we just define it as like, you know, I'm more oppressed than you yeah. and die, you know, I don't know. I just, it just doesn't seem productive. Yeah, and that's the thing is it's never a competition. Some people see something and think, well, this is elevating this minority group over this one. Like, no, I, like, that's not what we're thinking. Yeah. <laughs> like, it is, freedom is not a pie. We're right. not going to run out of it. Right. Well, I mean, we might, depending on the state, we got to <laughs> keep in check. But, like, in its essence, like, liberty is not a pie. We're not going to run out of it. There is plenty for everyone. Yeah. And there are some people that are going to hear hear you say, like, oh, even, even some people hear me say, like, the biggest, most important minority is the individual. Like, some people hear that. And they think, well, okay, well, you're discrediting, you're discrediting that these injustices exist. And I don't want you guys to hear what we're not saying. We are not saying that. We are actually saying that you are worth even more yes. than just the minority. We yes. we want to see you and acknowledge you and work with you as a human being, as an American citizen, beyond just that. We're not not saying that's not important. I just and don't want to pigeonhole you and exactly. anybody yeah. into. Yeah. The, these yeah. immutable characteristics that you were born with that don't define you as yeah. a human. They yeah. are a part of you, and they are a part of your experience. Mm -hmm. But I don't, um, I'd rather uh, look at someone and make judgments based on the things that they've done, the actions they've taken, what, you know, who they are as a person, what, you know, what they believe in, not, not just who they love or what color their skin yeah. is or, you know, I just, those things are, um, not to say, not to marginal, not to take from anybody's experience at all, yeah. but just that, um, and I think it also, one of the things that is difficult about it is that it focuses more, it tends to, in, in what I've seen, on um, outcomes rather than opportunities. And I yeah. think that's a misstep. Um, I, there is no way, there is, it would be impossible to guarantee the outcomes of every scenario. Yeah. Nor would we want to. Yeah. That's what we're fighting against. We yeah. don't want a conveyor belt of humans. We want to be able to be celebrated for our individuality. Yeah. Um, and one thing so. I've learned with with marginalized groups um, that I work with and even just myself being a minority, like um, it kind of depends. The reaction that you'll get out of someone when you discuss whatever marginalized group they're in it depends on where they're at on their journey. Sure. And so there are some reactions that, like, so this is why it's so, like you said, it's so hard to categorize people as one one group or one whatever because, like, it's such when you, when you realize that there's something about you that other humans fundamentally just don't accept, like, that is a whole self-healing, self-acceptance journey that you got to go on. And depending on when we run into those people, I've learned the hard way is is dependent on the reaction that we'll get. So it's like we just kind of have to be conscious of where people are in their journeys with themselves, but like yeah. do know that like we do accept you for you regardless of what group you say that you're a part of. Um, and two, another thing that I'll say about this, like I agree with you. I think that like individually who we are is more important than some of the other like titles that we'll put on, but no different than like when 
there was enough people that were hurt by COVID. There was enough people that are hurt by war. Sometimes, in some cases, I do believe that it does take kind of a gathering up and, and working behind a specific, no different than like post-George Floyd. Like sure. there was a time where African-Americans had had enough and they were like, we are finally ready to organize. Now, what happened out of that? We can't, we can't speak for it. Like, you know, everyone has their different ideas. But as far as, like, the LP goes, like, there, I think there are times where we can rally against a specific group. Sure. But, but it doesn't mean, and again, it's not, it's not a piece of the pie. It doesn't mean that that group, like, I know that there's a, I think there's a Latin American caucus or Hispanic caucus or something. Like, I met, met them in Reno. So, like, there are groups that specifically will work on this, but it doesn't overshadow the individual. Like, and right. it's, it's, we are able to be the party that accepts both of these things. We are able to right. be the party that says the most important thing to you, the freedom that's being infringed upon in your life right now might actually just be who you sleep with. And so if you need resources and help to go fight for that, we'll go fight for that. But then I'm always the type that's like, okay, but then when it's time to fight against masks or COVID or war, remember us and come back. Like we yeah. can be the same party that believes right. in individual freedoms and also there might be groups every now and then or issues now and then that need a little bit of help. And I think that's, that's, that is where it's hard for leadership to balance. Um, yeah. And it's, it's hard because you just never know how the individual is taking the messaging. And that's why messaging is so hard is. to get right because you just never know who you're going to set off. And in the world of Twitter, they can just like be all mad without like having a conversation, but yeah, I think I think both can exist. But even in this so, party. even sometimes though, that mad can can be the seed that I had of Ron Paul, where I was screaming at my yes. TV, yes. and that's okay too. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, it's, it's more important that we stay principled. Yeah. So, is For my sure. opinion. So, yeah. So I feel like this does actually play really well into the next question. So the next question is: Is the Mises Caucus open and welcoming to LGBTQ members? Yes. Um, Anybody who agrees on our platform is welcome to join our caucus. We have many LGBTQ okay. members in our caucus. Very so, cool. Yeah. And I know that is, I mean, I know in Wichita specifically, we that's, we're kind of on the, we're, we're fighting for those freedoms a lot. We're in a, a pretty conservative Republican place, and it's just, we see, um, so I know that came from, I know that came from Mark, that was his question. Um, and yeah, I think it's, I think it's important to note that, like, really, um, some people will take, not having it on your website, a rainbow that you're like anti, but that's not the case. It just means we have other that's issues that, that we're working. Though. Exactly, if that's, that's the you, we don't virtue signal. Like, no, yeah, we're not going to do that. If it's but a, yeah. I would rather someone like I remember I had this question at my paid job, my nonprofit. Um, we work with a lot of like arts and a lot of other nonprofits, and the question came to us why we don't have our pronouns in our emails. Mm -hmm. And my boss was like, "Well, should we? Like, should we? Should we talk about it?" And I'm probably the most. Um, freedom focused one there and so she asked me and I was just like you know I would rather us just be pro LGBTQ in our work yeah. than put it in our emails yeah. and she's like but what if people think that we're not on board well well then we will have just like you were saying with Tom Woods we will have work behind us showing differently yeah. So like that's that's the difference. That right there is the difference between like wokeism and like. But, it's but that if somebody felt like no, I am a person who feels like yeah. I want to share my pronouns. Then by all means. But don't make it a requirement. Exactly. You know. Hundred exactly. percent. Um, and I will tell. I will just caution again to people to to. I remember one of my first lessons in college was in a journalism course, and they had us find the same story from like three or four different sources, so you could find the spin. Mm -hmm. You have to be careful 
of the spin during Pride Month, during African American Month, during Hispanic Heritage Month, you have to be careful of the spin of the people that are just looking at you as dollar amount. That's right. Like you, like it, it you can't have it both ways. Like you, there, you need to be aware of required wokeism and hollow wokeism yes. because that's not what we're talking about here. That's not what we believe in. Right. Wokeism and it's like pure stage. Yeah. We're fine with. It's just like what it's taken too far. So yeah. So yeah. Um, okay. And we, we kind of touched on this question. Does the Mises Caucus hold training sessions and are those open to non Mises Caucus LP members? It sounds like yes and yes, right? Yes and yes. Okay. And I, again, invite everyone to check out runaslibertarian.com. It's a simple sign up. You'll get outreach um, okay. from our director who is Amy Labore. She's a doctor. Um, she's amazing. Um, currently from Maryland, um, previously from Delaware, but she is just like an absolute rock star. I don't know how she does as much as she does, <laughs> yeah. but she is like, um, been just like nonstop helping candidates. And so if we uh, go to that website, we just sign up and then they'll start sending us like exactly. the Zoom links and that type of thing. Yep. Okay. Yep. And then my other question is, cause I know, okay, two things. I know where this question is coming from, so I want to explain. And then two, um, I know that we currently, for a year, have been having an issue. Everyone, I think, knows that our websites are broken. National websites are not working. They're broken. I'm actually looking at just completely rebuilding ours because I'm so sick of our website and our email's not working. So I'm just going to fucking fix them. Sure. Because I'm tired of waiting. And yeah. I know how to fix them. Yeah. So, but one thing that I know that we've had an issue with is when people go to our site and say they want to be a candidate, that form bill is going to nowhere and we're not getting it. So, for if someone goes to that and says that they want to be a candidate... And it goes to, like, like does someone in Kansas get alerted if there's a, someone that raises their hand and says, whether it's you oh, yeah. or Matt? Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, we absolutely. Because we love for, like, we have, a, we have a candidate director who's, like, not getting form fills that he used to get several oh, yeah. a year, and now he's getting none. So I would just love to make sure that, like he gets a heads up from someone, yeah. like, you know, that that, that stuff, if, we, if I send them there and they fill it out, I want to make sure the state party people are getting wind of that because we want to help regardless yes. of how you came in. Mm -hmm. um, and that's been a huge pain point. And with a new website, I would love to be able to just like link to that be like, yeah. you know, um, so yeah, that's really cool. I'll definitely start. Um, I might go sign up myself, but just so well, one, cause I want to run in a couple years, but also yeah. just because I want to be able to share that with yes. people on social Please. and the newsletter, that type of thing. Um, and then I know the background on this question was, Leading up to Reno last year, there were two or three of us that were like brand new delegates, mm -hmm. had no idea what to expect. I'm a very yeah. anxious person. Yeah. Information is one of my love languages. So I had no idea how voting was going to happen. What part, like I would have appreciated knowing that. And then I find out after I'm a half a day in that Mises had calls, delegate training calls oh, leading yeah. up to it. We had I like, we had 15 plus hours. Right, but I would have loved to have been invited as someone that was a delegate. And I was told, I brought sure. this up, I brought this up to the current, who was the state organizer at the time. And he was like, well, it wasn't my, it wasn't on me to invite someone that wasn't part of the caucus. Yeah, that was caucus specific. Yeah. That wasn't for outside the caucus, but it would, I mean, in general, like, it wouldn't be a bad idea for the party to have, offer that kind of training so that people. Yeah. So some trainings, it sounds like, are closed, and some trainings are That open. was training for, yes, that was parliamentary training for the convention. So, yeah, that was a closed session just for delegates. Okay, uh, but I was a within, delegate. Yeah. Well, caucus delegates, so yeah. Mises caucus yeah. delegates. It just, that just seems very, very un unfair. I get it because they had goals they wanted to accomplish at I mean, Reno, we put out a lot of money to yeah. 
pay for the parliamentarian yeah. who came and trained us. That yeah. was not... Just looking at Kansas, though, we had, like, thir- what, 12 or 13, and yeah. 10 of y'all got this training, and three of us didn't, and it would have been nice. I would have paid if you wanted me to be in it. Like, and only, and I, it was only I mean, coming from... It was from... also, like, strategic, strategic training, too. Right. We weren't trying to put outside of the caucus ahead yeah. of convention, so I think that that might have been part of that as well. Yeah. But I understand what you're saying, and I yeah. think that, I mean, I think that that's something that the party should do. Yeah. The National Party should advise people what to expect. And even if it's a one-time video that you yeah. put out on YouTube and you're like, okay, when you come to convention, you're going to get this silly card. And you know what I mean? It's just yes. like, I think that there could be definitely some more training. Because uh, I, I mean, even having that, I was still like, oh, I don't know what this is. Yeah, so. yeah. And and I know I'm not the only one that said that, like some people probably didn't care, but I would, I was sent there to do a job and I was not trained for the job. And then right. you find out everybody else was skilled and trained for the job. And that... That didn't sit well with me, and I told a lot of people about that, that it was like, man, I would have just loved to have been invited. Like, I would have put on my earmuffs. I would have – you could have done closed session, but, like, there was training that we all could have benefited from. So that is just kind of the background. I just want to be frank with you and kind of give you the background on that. Um, so, yeah, it sounds like there might be some public – but there might also still be some clothes, which is sure, fine. Sure. Um, but yeah, definitely. So it sounds like the candidate training we can share. If you have any other 100%. free trainings, like let me know, and I'd love to like get them out there. Um, because like we're just, I told I told someone this at a mixer lately. Like we're just too small of a party to like not be sharing and educating yeah. with with each other. Um, especially like most of the people that I talk to that are interested in our party right now are younger. It might be their first year voting. They might not even be registered yet. I've had to, like, hold hands and show people where to register, you know? So it's, like, these are the people where it would just be good to give them information. And, like, I would love yeah. their first experience to be um, helpful um, or be be positive yes. and not feel like, I think yeah. it's still going to be a shit show. But <laughs> I yeah. would have felt slightly better. Um, okay, so last couple of, of kind of, like, closing out things. So you're also on our judicial committee. Yes. And this is one of those things where it's only our second year having one. I think it's really cool. Kansas has a lot of things available to its party that, like, other states don't have. Like, other states don't have operations team. Right. Other states don't have legislative directors, marketing directors. Like, we are pretty well logistically set up. And this is one of those things that I would consider in that category. Yeah. So a lot of people don't know that we have it, don't know what it's for. And I know you guys are kind of working on like maybe spelling out some processes and stuff, but just from you, cause this is, you're kind of one of the only ones where this is your second year. Everybody else yeah. is brand new. So tell us just a little bit about like your role on the JC, the JC's role in our party and just kind sure, of a, sure. kind of a plug, not that we like want there to be a problem, but like just yeah. a plug so people know that this resource <laughs> yes, is available. Absolutely. So, um, yes, I was, um, elected the chair of JC for its inaugural term, um, which was in 2021. Um, luckily, to date, we have not had to make any judicial decisions at all, so that's been a plus. But at heart, um, our role is to stand as the last line of appeal for party members and ex-com members mm-hmm. if there should come to a dispute. Um, that we would impartially hear the situation, the particulars of the situation, and make determinations based on our bylaws um, and our platform, whatever it might be, but whatever party documents are pertain to the discrepancy, um, that's when we would step in and sort of make a final determination on that. Um, luckily, like I said, we've never had to use it. Uh, I think everything's been pretty amicably worked out if there have mm-hmm. been disputes. Um, and so I, you know, but we stand ready to be those impartial judges. Yeah, should, should and that it's like come up 
four or five people? What's the total five. number? Yeah, five we people. have five yeah, so. people in our group, and right now Mark Davis is our chair. Yes. So, yeah. 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 So, um, so, yeah, I think it's really cool that we have that, and I think I would love to see um, – I think Mark was saying last night, because we had a mixer, that, that he does want to make it, like, pretty obvious what the process is. Like, if people have an issue, that this is the process. And even if even if we have a year where we don't have anything happen, I would love to have, like, a like an audit from you guys. Like, you know, like, how you think um, convention was ran, meetings were ran, like, just suggestions or something. You know, like, I would love to, because I value everyone that's on that group. I think, I think if anyone's going to be able to non-biasedly judge a situation yeah. it's like those people I can think of being pretty good at that yeah. um so yeah so yeah just we, we just wanted to make sure people knew that and knew that was your role and knew that was available and just kind of stay tuned for more yeah stuff from that okay so Absolutely. we're in our closing out so tell us okay we want to know and this is like I said this is for a lot of LPKSers listen to this but also just people in Kansas also people like not in Kansas so like how can we, what is the number one issue that like you, Sarah, are working on that's close to you? And if, if someone hears that and hears you say it and they have that moment where they're like, that is also the number one thing that I'm scared about or I'm wanting to activate on, how can that person get engaged and help you? Yeah, so um, my number one liberty issue right now is that I have a 15-year-old son and we have a military industrial establishment and government that are walking us actively into World War III with two nuclear armed powers. Yeah. And I do not want my son to be drafted. Yeah. And I think in my own personal case, I think my son's previous medical history, we could probably get out of it. But I also care about all the other boys Mm -hmm. in Kansas and in our country. And it's devastating that we are so close to what I deem, I mean, I don't see it through any other lens other than slavery. Mm -hmm. When you are told that your life, that you are not master of your own destiny and that you are property of someone else. Yeah. I find that to be aberrant. Um, So what my biggest goal is right now um, is we are gearing up to start um, our next Rage Against the War Machine rally in D.C., which will be held again next February um, on the um, anniversary of the invasion of Ukraine, uh, which was February 19th. And Mm -hmm. so um, we are just starting that process. If anybody wants to find out more about our previous rally um, or if they want to donate or find out how they can get involved for the next one, you can go to Mm RageAgainstWar.com. Um, and that is our website. There's videos from all the speakers we had at the last rally. There was a giant, I was having been a part of it. Um, I couldn't tell the scope of the rally. Um, while we were in it, I was just like, I don't think I've ever been as busy as I was that day. I, it was like, it flew by, but I finally got the scope of the rally after all the speeches were done. And then they were marching from the Lincoln Memorial to the white house. Mm. This column, which was probably seven people wide, Mm. went on and on and on for like a mile. And I was like, oh my gosh, we actually did something here, (laughs) you know? And so um, that was just such a magical moment. But um, we are getting ready to do that again. So I'm very excited. You know, obviously hit me up if you want to know more, but, uh, or you can visit us at rageagainstwar.com. We're just so, that's something I really truly believe in. Um, and then the other thing is here in Kansas, um, super about Defend the Guard. Mm-hmm. That is um, such an important movement. And again, kind of the same concept, but yeah. um, I am I want to be a part of uh, what Matt Clark has going on with that. Mm-hmm. And I'm just very excited to participate yeah. any way I can. And in case people um, aren't familiar with the Defend the Guard movement, I mean, basically it's saying that we want our National Guard to stay in Kansas. Like right. we have people... 
Um, we're not in a state of war, so we are basically taking advantage of these guardsmen. And yes. I have a friend that is retired and I think is in the Air National Guard, and she's spending weekends in, like, dangerous locations far, yeah. far away. And she has said numerous times, like, this is not what I thought I was signing up for. And, like, I, I'm going to active war zones, and I don't know why I'm being sent when we have a huge military. Yeah. And, and, and then furthermore, if something does happen, they're not here in Can they're, they're not exactly. here to help us. And one thing that Kansas has that other states don't have is last year when this bill was presented, was it last year or maybe two years ago now? I think it was probably two years um, ago. Yeah. And was it Fairchild that presented it? We had the... Um, the guy that like reviews the bills and kind of gives like notes on them. He doesn't make a determination one way or the other on like pass it or don't pass it, but he just kind of makes notes and he said that this will have like no impact on the budget. Wow. And like people, That's other, usually pow the other powers that be will say, well, we're going to lose funding. We're going to lose this, that, and the other. And he doesn't see that that's going to happen. So, like, there, there is momentum. Um, and I know we had a peace rally here in Kansas. And, I mean, we called all of the veterans groups, all of the churches, all of the everyone that we thought should naturally rally behind peace. And, and it's, a it's a tough battle. It, um, it will be a couple years long process. But it's definitely, it's, it's definitely important. I mean, guys, if we are heading down this road like she's talking about, we don't want our guardsmen not in Kansas. Like, right. we want them here. We are in the center. We are by a nuclear plant. We are by several military bases. Like, we're I'm not... near the nuclear sponge. We're not exactly a soft target. Like, right. we are someone... Just like when I used to live in San Antonio and I was between two big Air Force bases, I was like, this is terrifying. I feel because that's a target. Like, sure. I... A little too close to this kitchen right. for someone that doesn't like to cook. So, like, right. yeah, so it's, it's, it is all about keeping our National Guard in Kansas and not sending them elsewhere. Well, and also um, putting the political cost on uh, the people that are in our National Congress. Yeah. Right now, we let them off the hook way too easy. They can yeah. come and take our guardsmen, but they don't have to do what their job requirements are, which are declare war. There's a, it's yeah. politically costly well, to declare war, and so yeah. they want to have their cake and eat it too well, by and not doing their job. I know people that are here from Ukraine. I know people that got out really early, um, and because we have not declared war, they are not able to claim refugee status. And they are potentially a family, children and a mom, like they could at any point be sent back. And their dad is not allowed to leave. And they're no. not the only ones, they're just the ones that I know. Yeah. And it's like, I don't want us to declare war, but I want us to shit or get off the pot. Exactly. Like, either we are in this war and we're going yes. to take care of the people and make sure the people that we are sending and protecting are safe, or we're going to stay out of it. Right. Period. Like, yeah. choose a side. Um, and, and that's kind of what anti-war and defend the guard and everything is all about. And it's something that if you want to affect Kansas first... This is something that you should be able to dive into yeah, and exactly. help. So, um, is it okay to put your like the email that I've been emailing you on, like in the notes in case people, people you can want do to that. contact I'm you? I'm also available at um, oh on oh, Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Let me yeah. pull that up. I have this for you. It is at Kansas LPMC. Okay. Um, Defend the Guard website is great. That is defendtheguard.us. I think I have most of these jotted down, but I'm jotting them down just to I make sure. Yeah, and I'll put I'll put all of these in the episode notes in case um, anybody wants to get a hold of of you for those issues. So okay, we are just about like rounding out an hour. So do you have any kind of like closing? Thank you for being brave yeah, and like doing no, this with I, me. And I um, genuinely appreciate the invite and um, happy to sit down with anybody who wants to work towards liberty. And I yeah. would say that if folks could take a step back and just try to view Mises Caucus members through that lens that we're just showing up because we want liberty. Yeah. Um, 
And if there is a situation, you know, if, if there's ever a situation where you feel like somebody from the Mises Caucus has been less than, um, less than great, you know, Let's I'd love to hear it. about it because yes. I've never heard of a situation yeah. where that's happened. And until and it always, does, I don't, you know. Yeah. I'm always telling people like, just get off Twitter. <laughs> just stop worrying about what National is doing. Just like do, yeah. just focus on what you're doing in your community. And you might come at a point where an issue that you're working on overlaps with them. And then just know that they're ready and willing to accept you and are there for it. Everything else we can figure out. No caucus is perfect. Right. No, like that's why I'm not in one because I think y'all all got problems. Um, that's why I'm not in a Republican or Democrat party because you guys, I trust me, I got criticisms equally for everyone here. Um, but there is a time when we need those issue-specific groups. And yeah. so just, like, do your thing, and then you might find that, like, you also are scared of draft, or you also are scared of these things, and, like, guess what? There's a group that's ready to work with you on that. So, um, yeah. so yes. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, I'm going to close us out. Thanks for meeting with me, everybody. Um, oh, who do you think I should have next in the LP? I have, like, a list. This is no, this was not a planned question, but, like, Ooh. I got a list. I got, like, I don't know. Who do you think would be fun? This is just people I've jotted down over the time to be like, this might be good. I was actually thinking about this one the Kissing? other day. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, okay, okay. she has so much. If you want to yeah. talk about someone who, it's funny because she's not in the caucus, but she literally exemplifies what we stand for, which right. is just working locally in your area. Yes. And she has been so effective. And yeah. honestly, she's like an inspiration to me. So yeah. I yeah. Well, I know a one. lot of people that like she has kind of like brought in and trained and mentored. And she even told me the other day when we worked the booth, um, like, uh, my district used to be like the busiest district and like, you're going to give me a run for my money over there in Wichita. And so, so yeah, it would be good to, to get her to chat. So, okay. Yes, I will take that. Um, cause I was like, I don't really know what to do after this. But, um, okay. So everybody stay tuned. I'm going to continue this series until I run out of interesting libertarians to talk to in Kansas, which is not going to happen because you get these guys going on something on what brought them to the LP and we're like off to the races. So, um, so tune in next time. Thank you everybody. And we'll see you later. Bye.